When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The record was done. The record was called Uncle Tom's Cabin. And Donnie Ina called up and said, I don't hear the single. You got to give me a single like Love in an Elevator. I need something like that. So that night I wrote Cherry Pie, sent it to him. He lived with it over the weekend. And all of a sudden, the album's called Cherry Pie. The record's called Cherry Pie. I'm doing Cherry Pie eating contests. The single's Cherry Pie, right? If I'm lying, I'm dying. And my legacy's Cherry Pie. Everything about me is Cherry Pie. I'm a Cherry Pie guy. I could shoot myself in the head for writing that song. Over two million copies for this album right here. Uh, yeah, about copies. there. We're about there. And we're only we're only two singles into it. The new single, Uncle Tom's Cabin, will be coming out like the middle of like February 18th or something. Yeah, now, what do you, what do you say to people, these critics who say, you know, that you hosed a girl down in your video and that's sexist? Say, so, yeah, we had a great time. <laughs> <laughs> So this is the uh, Cherry Pie Roundtable, uh, and we've got, on the line, we have Stephen Michael from the Growing Up Rock podcast. Hey, Stephen. Hey, what's going on, fellas? And we've got Wally Norton, the Wally Gator, from the CGCMTXV podcast. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Wally. How's it going? And we've hey. got... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Beauty. And we've got Craig Smith... From the Pods and Sods Network. Hey, Craig. Hey, hey, hey. And we have the Wadzilla, Ian Wadley yeah. from the Rock I, I and like Metal I like how I go last, right? Because I'm black Irish, you fuck. <laughs> All right, here we go. Ready to do this. Wow! <laughs> so how this episode came about is the past couple of months, I've been, I've been in this phase where I've been loading music on my iPod to listen to at work. That's stuff that I liked when I was a kid. A lot of stuff I haven't listened to in years. It's kind of like comfort food, you know, that's, that's saying. It's just like, I can always go back to this stuff and comfort listen to food it. food <laughs> strategically placed on the front cover of the record. <laughs> yeah, for this album. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> but for me, it's just relaxing to go back and listen to this stuff that's so familiar that even though I, maybe I haven't heard it in 10, 20 years, but I still know every word and I can just kind of lose myself in it while I'm working. And so I was having fun just putting stuff like, 
Bullet Boys and Britney Fox and Winger and all this stuff in my iPod, and some of it holds up better than others. But um, and yeah, one band I'm glad I... we're talking about this and not Underoos and fucking GI Joes. <laughs> what else did you like when you were a kid? Huh? I did have oh, GI Joes. I know. It's bath time with BJ. <laughs> Swimming in the water. Yeah, I know. I gave your mother the money to buy them. <laughs> <laughs> But, All of course, right. uh, one of the bands I put in my iPod was Warrant. And Dirty Rotten, Filthy, Sticky Rich doesn't hold up very well for me. After the first three songs, I still love the first three songs, but after that, it's pretty mediocre. But hearing Cherry Pie again was a revelation to me because I don't know when's the last time I listened to this record all the way through, but probably decades. <laughs> and I've just kept listening to it, like, every day because it's really fucking good. And I was it was kind of a revelation to me, how good it was. I didn't remember. I don't think I even appreciated at the time it came out how good it was. And so to kind of rediscover it was really cool. And that's when I went to the Rock and Pod Facebook group and I said, who else likes cherry pie? And then uh, you guys all stepped up to the plate. So here we are to talk about this album, which it's it kind oh, so of... Oh, the album. Huh? Oh, yeah. I was thinking about just pie. Uh, just the st- Oh, the food. <laughs> Wally thinks yeah. we're good. It's yeah, a I didn't podcast. say I like the album. I'm just an attention whore. I want to be on any show I can. <laughs> well, this album is kind of emblematic. It kind of became emblematic, or at least I guess mainly what the, the song. What the fuck does that mean? Emblematic. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's uh, of the whole, you know, the hair metal backlash, especially the video and the song, of course, for the title track, kind of became the symbol of supposedly everything that was wrong with hair metal or whatever but listening to the record to me these are it's full like every song is good most of them or a lot of them are great and uh, i don't know i will see if you guys agree with me but i mean i did not like i said i did not appreciate this record at the time for being as good as it really is and so it was pretty cool to rediscover it um i mean i i went i went to this tour i saw warrant in a sold-out amphitheater, like 20,000-plus people. That's how big they were, and it was Warrant, Trickster, and Firehouse. So, yeah, so what do you guys remember about this record, or you know, how does it hold up for you? Maybe we should start with Craig. Why me? Because I'm going alphabetically, <laughs> remember? <laughs> uh, you know, this is... I think that I did appreciate this record when it came out, Uh this record probably more than any other is like the symbol of, you know, friends getting their first cars and driving around and just fucking around. Like this is probably the number one album that we listened to during that time. Um, right out of high school, I was DJing dances with a friend of mine, always playing stuff from this. And I think that this album kind of rises above everything else in the genre. And I, we did an episode on Janie Lane, a tribute episode years ago. And I, I just think that he's so incredibly uh, just unappreciated as a songwriter. And he's, he's kind of just always got a great knack for a melody. And this album is just perfect representation of that. And, you know, the albums beyond this, you get it as well. Uh, just great, great memories of this record. Yeah, yeah, I agree with all of that. So how about Ian Wadley? What do you remember about uh, this record? Well, I pretty much agree with uh, Craig, if that's your real name. 
Uh, I mean, he hit the nail on the head. This album came out when I was 16. And, uh, I mean, it, this was constantly in the Alpine system in my 77 Grand Prix. And, you know, driving to high school keg parties and shit like that. And uh, it was. It was a little... It was a notch above a lot of the other shit. I think Cock Rock was getting very, very saturated at this time. You know, you know, you got shit like fucking Steelheart and everything, and everything was a copy of a copy of a copy and getting real watered down. But I think what does make the songs stand out on this is the songs, is the songwriting of Janie Lane. And I really wouldn't call it, you know, I know they got lumped in. This You would see this shit on Headbangers Ball, but to me, this isn't, this, this is barely hard rock, let alone metal. Uh, I mean, I mean, this is like the catchiness of Huey Lewis, uh, you, you know, but the look of Bon Jovi, uh, not that heavy, but just good songwriting. And I think that's why it does hold up. Uh, this was the first warrant that I bought. I liked the songs that I heard off the first album, but not enough to go out and buy it. But this one, man, when I heard Cherry Pie, I was like, oh, shit. And you know, at 16, all you want to fucking do is get drunk, get laid. And, you know, it was singing to me. This album is definitely talking to little kids. It's not talking to adults. And uh, it's fun. It was a fun <laughs> listen to this. And uh, I was happy to go back and revisit. I mean, it's not all, you know, you're talking like it's a revelation. Bitch, this ain't Abbey Road. It's Cherry Pie. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's fun. You know, it's a fun album and, uh, and a testament to Janie Lane's uh, songwriting talents. Well, what, what, what I meant by revelation is for me, I didn't remember. I, you know, I I bought this album the day it came out. I'm sure I listened to it a lot back then, but I didn't remember, or like I said, maybe even realize at the time how good it was. And so that was the revelation part. Was just like, oh yeah, well, holy shit! Little known, little known fact: this came out on September 11th, 1990. Yeah, which officially makes this the second worst thing that happened on September 11th. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, it, it came it, out on 9/11, right? Yeah. But uh, but no, it's a fun record. All right, so uh, Stephen, what are your memories of Cherry Pie? So Cherry Pie was the second record um, for me with Warrant because I'm a few years ahead of you guys in, in age. So uh, when you were talking about uh, rolling around listening to this uh, record in your car with your buddies, that kind of happened for me on the first record. Uh, so I was already into warrant when this one rolled out and part of what drew me into hard rock and heavy metal was, you know, the, the over explicit sex, the hot chicks. I mean, all that, who doesn't want to do that when you're 16, 17, 18, 19. And I had just moved to Atlanta. So I had just turned of drinking age. I was hanging out in clubs. I mean, it was, you know, this was prime time for that kind of music. Uh, so I really, really drew to this record like right off the bat uh, and loved it from start to finish. Went and saw uh, went and saw Warren open up for Poison uh, at the beginning of this Cherry Pie tour uh, when they were still opening up for people. They hadn't branched off on their own because the record hadn't really broke big yet. Uh, and it was uh, it was fantastic. I mean, I was all in. Can I ask you a question about that show? Sure. Because I saw the uh, I saw the same tour, Warrant with Poison, in Philly uh, in November of 1990. What's the me- most memorable thing that you remember about Warren's set? So I don't know. I remember 
first of all, I saw him in Atlanta in what's uh, the old Omni, which was the old Enorma uh, Arena here before they tore it down. Mm. And uh, I remember them being as good, if not better, than Poison that night. But what I remember most about that night is not necessarily the set, but they, I had a friend of mine that ran a club uh, down in Buckhead, and I went to the club afterwards. There was a, a local band playing cover hard rock covers on stage, and all the guys in Warrant were hanging out at the club. Awesome. So that's what I remember most about that night because there was kind of a lot of interaction going on with the guys in the band as they just kind of hung out, drank beers, and uh, you know watched this this uh, cover band uh, in this really small packed club. So that 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 was what I remember most. That's awesome. I was going for the uh, guitar solo. They uh, had a big cherry pie album cover backdrop. And I think it was Eric Turner as he was doing his guitar solo. He went over to the backdrop and started eating the cherry pie <laughs> and then went to the front row and started spitting out cherries. Uh, no, I don't. I do not recall that at all. Main thing I remember about that show. That's something you don't forget. <laughs> I can see that. I we was, ended up uh, seeing Warren a couple. Uh, I can't remember how, how long after that, but um, we met Janie after the show, Eric and I, and he signed my guitar. And uh, so we ended up seeing them one more time, but I only saw them twice. Yeah, uh, I was going to say I was going to say I was watching uh, live clips on on YouTube yesterday from this tour. And there was one show where Janie Lane, he had the microphone down by his crotch. He was pretending to whack off with it. And then he had put his fingers up to his mouth in a V and, you know, his, had his tongue going. And then right after that, he goes, I want to say hi to my mother and father-in-law over here. And he's pointing out in the crowd. And it was like within a minute of that, that stuff that he was doing. There's only one song that can make me want to come out to the front of the stage and do sign language to you. How about this one? Okay. They all got that down. You know, that's, that's how they land planes. You go, there's a stewardess on the ground who wants to... No, anyways. All right. I had something, I had something that I was going to say that was very important. And, and you know what? I just remember what it was. And that is that this state of Louisiana... Now, I know y'all think I'm giving you, I'm feeding you full of bullshit. But I'll tell you what. I want to... I, I just got to say something real quick. I don't, I don't want to like get, get too far into this. But I want to say hello to my mother and father-in-law, who are sitting over here. And I want to say, I want to say, thank God they had their daughter in Louisiana, because that's the kind of woman that I married. You know what I mean? That's the kind of woman that I want. Hot damn! That Is there a lot hilarious. of... Uh... Is there a lot of the live stuff from that era on YouTube? Well, that that was a whole show. Um, really? I, yeah, I'm not nice. sure where it was, but yeah, that was the they have the whole show like when they were headlining. Like oh, the wow. same the same thing that see. I saw. One of the okay. reasons I was watching is because I could swear I had a memory of that on Mr. Rainmaker that Janie was playing guitar too, and and they had three guitars and it sounded so awesome. But then when I saw that that show, he didn't play guitar, so I don't remember. I don't know if my memory is even correct or not, but I swore that. Hmm. That he had a guitar too during that song. Yeah. 
But yeah, and I you guess you guys are um, making me jealous. I I only saw him twice, and and never with Janie Lane. Oh, I, I I saw him once with Robert Mason, and then I saw him just the other week at the gas station. You know, and you know, I said ten dollars on pump ten. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I missed all this shit. Yeah. All right, I guess Wally hasn't uh, told told us his cherry pie story. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I did get to see them twice. I got to see both with Janie. Saw them uh, open for Motley Crue at the Buffalo Auditorium. Uh, sometime would have been 1990. Only thing I really remember that really sticks out in my mind, we were way up in the rafters. And the lights went out. Canadians, for opening bands, Canadians are so laid back and, and almost non-complacent. And half the time they don't show up until the headliner goes on. I was never like that. I wanted to see every band that opened. And it just blew my mind that when the lights went out, the the surge of the floors, they just rushed the stage. I had never seen anything like it for an opening band. That really stuck out in my mind. And then I got to see them headline at an, you know sold-out amphitheater, just like you, BJ, uh, later in 91. And if I'm not mistaken, and maybe they did this every night, I don't know, but... I was told it was the last night of the, either of the, of the of the tour or that leg of the tour with Trickster and Firehouse. And it started early. It was a summer night. So I guess Trickster went on, you know, completely daylight. Well, Warrant were, I guess, at the back getting their catering for dinner. They then walked out on stage during uh, Trickster's set and sat down at the front of the stage eating their dinner while the band was performing behind them, they're passing salt and pepper back and forth and just having a conversation <laughs> right at the front of the stage. <laughs> That's about it. All right. Yeah, I remember you posted that set list and they played a couple more songs like in the encore than the show I saw. And that's probably why, because they were yeah, well, the and, last show with those bands. That uh, they, uh, I forgot to mention that too, at the... During the encore, the the lighting guys were dumping flour. All three bands were out on stage, and they were running around, sliding around. It was it was a big mess and a lot of fun. Yeah, it must have been that. You know, that's one of the you know, Janie Lane became such a tragic figure, and the idea of how big they were and how fast they fell was was insane. And I think it happened worse for them than probably any other band that I can think of. Yeah, where they're playing yeah. sold out amphitheaters, and then like a week later. They're just pariahs. It was... It Damn, was Beavis nuts. and Butthead. <laughs> Timing was everything. I yeah. mean, that, that 89, 90, 91 uh, three-year span, man, that, <laughs> that, that was really a danger zone to a lot of bands. And, and it unfortunately, uh, uh, it happened to a lot of bands. They just got caught in the wheel of it. And then how many bands put out like an absolutely incredible album after that that gets ignored, yeah. much like Warren did? Oh, tons. Tons yeah. of bands. We keep talking about it all the time on our show, which is just like 90, 91. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a lot of good music uh, that was released in, in uh, that time frame that gets overlooked a lot, I think. Yeah. yeah, bands were really stepping it up at that point and just like not getting an audience for it. It's really a shame. Yeah, and you well, have, you, and have I, you had bands that were that when they went into the studio, they were looking at another hit record, and by the time the record comes out, nobody, you know, people couldn't have cared less. It was completely ignored. It was such a fast turnaround. It was nuts. 
Case I, in point, 1991, Debbie Gibson's Anything is Possible. It is the best record of all time. Absolute commercial flop. You, you know what I think, too? I think a lot of the writing was on the wall with a lot of these bands, and I think that bands just stopped giving a shit and said, look, we're going to make the record that we want to make, and we, we don't really give a shit because it's the record company's not going to do anything with it anyway, so... Yeah, uh, they sense. quit listening. Quit listening to the idiots at the record label and doing what they wanted to do. So, well, it's funny that a lot of those bands were moving in a different direction, anyways. Even before the whole alternative thing hit, like this tour that we're talking about, Warren opened the set with Inside Out, which was like a, a like their punkiest, like a almost a punk version of Warrant, and you know. That was the kind of thing that those bands started moving towards later, but they were doing it. And look at the way Skid Row made such a huge shift on their second album. And, you know, a lot of yep. bands were were already changing things up before you know even the alternative thing hit. But you know the like the story of this album supposedly is that it, uh, Cherry Pie wasn't even you know what the album was done, and then the it label was. wanted a single, and that's why they yep. that's why Janie wrote the song Cherry Pie. And the exact same thing happened to Winger. As far as I remember, where In the Heart of the Young was done, and then the label wanted a single, and they wrote Can't Get Enough, and that's one song that does not hold up, man. I listened to that in my ah, iPod recently. I love that song. <laughs> oh, I man, that song too. sucks. That song is that bad. awesome. If you compare that, that song, song to Cherry Pie, you know, Cherry Pie has such a bad reputation, but... Um, I don't know. You think we're ready to go into the track by track? Should we just... Uh... Oh, I'm sorry. No, I, 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 I got to tell a quick... I uh, can't get enough story. Man. All right. Reminds me, <laughs> seriously, be, being 16 in, in the same car, the same bitchin' ass Alpine stereo, and I'm on a double date with my future wife, uh, my best friend and, and his girl, and there was an area in our town growing up, uh, an area of downtown we called it the square, which was just a certain part of downtown where kids would just drive around in a fucking square for so many blocks, and some people would park and you know, you'd be drinking beers and doing all this shit. And our big thing was we wanted to cruise around the fucking square, blaring, can't get enough, and we made our dates get in the back seat. So we could just look, you know, it's it straight out days of confusion, you know, arm <laughs> hanging out the side of the car, and we're blaring, can't get enough, and singing along to it. And, uh, I, I mean, surprisingly, yes, I am straight. Uh, but, uh, you know, it was like the cool thing to do back then and i still love that shit and uh i take a lot of shit i will not deny my love for winger and i'm excited that i get to meet paul taylor at uh at the expo this year because he didn't make it to last year's so i'm like man i'm getting my winger shit signed <laughs> yeah. i love me some fucking winger well yeah, there's you. there's Damn winger it. songs i like but that song does not hold up that song to me sounds like uh, a song that was written in five minutes because they needed a single for the record Oh, 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 like any of this shit was labored on? Give me a break. <laughs> there, there's no song on any of this shit where I'm like, hmm, let me go back and refine that. I mean, come on. This is this is cock rock and roll, man. This is straight from the fucking crotch. Hey, I, Casey, I mean, uh, that, that, was a, that was a great story, but that couldn't have been saved for the exclusive winger episode for next year's expo? <laughs> oh, trust me, when we see the ratings for this, there will be no winger episode. Oh, that's I had to right. get it out now. <laughs> I definitely like can't get enough when it came out, but I just don't think it holds up. <laughs> I think that's a pure. I think that's a pure case of you just getting too old, BJ. Yeah, yeah, you're all cynical. You can't enjoy can't get enough anymore. Everything <laughs> sounds like shit to BJ now. <laughs> but anyways, back to cherry pie. So, uh, well, you know, we haven't mentioned Bow Hill, which. 
I think, I mean, I was trying to think of other stuff that Bull Hill produced. I mean, I know like Rat and Winger, as we discussed, but this is probably, from what I could think of, the best sounding Bull Hill record out there, in my opinion, because this record sounds killer. I think it's, it sounds it's really great. Produced. Yeah, yeah. The, the production and the sound and the mix and everything is very well done on this. That's that's part of what makes it so good. But, um, you know, I think Ian brought up the guitar players. And uh, the, that's one thing that I don't think anybody really gives a straight answer on. But um, on the double stop, Mike Slamer said he played more on the first album than on this record. He remembers playing a lot more on mm. Dirty, Rotten, Filthy, Stick It Rich. And the production on that record is not so great, even though that's Bull that's Hill true. too, yeah. right? Um, and, uh, you know, Joey Allen was on the double stop too, and he's talked. he kind of limited how much Mike Slammer had played. And it, I mean, I think it might be, it was more guitar solos on this record than anything else, but I'm, I don't really know, you know, who to believe or what to, what to believe. But, um, you know, the, the Eric and Joey went out there on the tour and played everything. So I don't really, I guess some producers get hung up on, well, it probably takes a lot longer to make a record with certain guitar players than others. And they, the producers probably love bringing somebody in like Mike Slamer who could just knock it out really fast and not yeah. have to do a million takes. I don't really know, but. Uh, well, hey, maybe uh, they had a poker game. <laughs> well, I mean, the thing is, there's no shredding here. So how bad do you have to suck to not be able to be on a fucking Warren album? <laughs> it's like, I think I could ghost on a Warren album, and I'm like the worst rhythm player ever. And I, I think I can pull it off. Uh, Guitar World had uh, the best analogy ever when it came to uh, the replacement on this album, um, where they said, you know, being told your guitar licks are being replaced by C.C. Davila is the equivalent of coming home and your wife telling you you're being replaced in the bedroom by Gary Coleman. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, no, uh, you just, you, you know, you just can't bring it. We need to get C.C. DeVille in here. That's sad. That's sad. Well, that's not fair, Ian, because that song was recorded after the record was done and Joey and Eric were in a golf tournament, so they, they couldn't make it back <laughs> into the studio. Uh, yeah, you could have come up with a better story than that. You're at a fucking golf tournament. I mean, Jesus Christ. I, I mean, like, I was trapped in the jungle on safari, you know? It's like, that's why they it had to be CeCe. You know? Oh, this terrible. I feel, I feel bad for Joey Allen, man. That's terrible. <laughs> so one thing that is so impressive about this record is pretty much... But it seems like it's about 99% of the songwriting is Janie Lane. He didn't need Desmond Child or Diane Warren or anybody. He wrote everything almost. And, you know, I, like we've been talking about how good the songs are. And, you know, he it's all Janie. And uh, including this, uh, the first song in the record, which Janie really hated. But I just think it's sad. I, I watched a couple of interviews with him and... He was so vilified in the 90s, especially for this song, that he just came to despise it. And like the way that he was just tarred with this for the rest of his life, or at least that's how he felt at the time. I mean, it's too bad Janie didn't live to see. You know, he's, he seems to become much more appreciated as time goes on, you know, but he didn't really live mm -hmm. to. He was still stuck in the he was still the pariah and the uh, poster boy for everything that was supposedly wrong with the 80s or whatever. And uh, of course, it. Most of it comes back to this song. But, of course, you know, VH1 with Behind the Music and everything had a lot of fun with just milking that whole narrative. But um, as far as the song Cherry Pie goes, for me, I think it's a really fun song. It's a nice riff. 
And what I really appreciate listening to it in the earbuds is the arrangement and how they were really creative with the way the song is produced and put together. You know, I love what the second when the second verse kicks in and it's just like the We Will Rock You drums for the first couple lines and all the little oh yes that are under there. And like the ice cream, you scream bridge is so great. All everything sounds so good on this record. The swing it all night long part, like there's a lot of different cool little parts in this song. It's a lot more than just a, you know, simple just let's write a single song. There's they at least um, were really creative in the studio, and they seem to have had a lot of fun putting this together. You know, and I'm sure Craig appreciates the key change at the end where they go up. At the end Love of the it. last chorus. Um, Love it. It's it's the second best key change right behind Crazy Crazy Nights. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow, you set such high standards. <laughs> Come on, that's a hell of a key change. And also, so the, the video for this song, of course, uh, very is famously maligned and whatever, but um, did you guys know did the I guy... Did I barge in here for a second? Yeah. Uh, did you had you guys seen this video on MTV? Because I didn't. I didn't see this video until that Cherry Pie VHS came out. Oh, oh yeah, I saw it. Yeah, yeah. I, I I don't know. I I had missed it. I remember them premiering this. Oh yeah, like, I'm when, sure I saw them the day. premiere. Yeah. <laughs> you I know, just on one VH1. of those I never caught. Yeah, you must have been on the wrong channel. <laughs> I might have been. I I I read every single issue of Metal Edge, so like I was following Warrant before the first album even came out, and I remember in Metal Edge for Cherry Pie. I don't know if you guys read Metal Edge, but they used to have a track-by-track track with the band for these albums before they came out. So you would read the guys in the band talking about every song on the record like a month before the record even came out. So they would get you really hyped up for when it was going to come out. I like how you said you used to read Metal Edge. Metal Edge was like fucking Tiger Beat. It was all fucking posters. No, there was plenty to read in there. I loved that magazine. Um, as far as the video goes, you know, being, you know, North of the border, it was banned on Much Music, which was <laughs> our version of MTV, because it was too sexually explicit, apparently. Yeah. But I do remember seeing it, so I don't know how I saw it. Well, one thing everybody talks about is that they were hosing her down, but if you watch the video, they're not hosing her down. They're, they have, they, they, I don't think they ever show the band and her in the same shot. So there's a shot of the guys with the right. fire hose, then there's a shot of her with water, but they're not actually hosing her down. They just made it look that way. You know, but everything you see is they were even hosing her down. I saw, oh, it's in that Bang Your Head book where he says that the fire hose peeled her eyelids back. And that's a crack of shit because if you watch the video, it's more like they're throwing a pitcher of water at her than hosing her down from what I remember. So uh, there's a a bunch of bullshit about this video. But um, the guy who directed it, Jeff Stein, is the same guy that directed You Might Think and Don't Come Around Here No More, which are like two of the more memorable kind of iconic MTV videos that I can remember from the 80s. Yeah, well, and this is pretty memorable. Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> but I mean, those, you know, those were more like the artsy MTV videos. Award winning. Yeah. And he yeah, directed. This one's, this one's memorable for a whole lot of other reasons. <laughs> You're goddamn right it is. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it, it's a fun video, though. There's a lot of funny little cuts that they do and lots of little jokes and um it's a lot better than its reputation, I think. <laughs> but uh, that guy yeah, also funny directed enough, these Every dreams. little step is still my favorite Bobby Brown video. <laughs> this would be my second. I prefer humping around. My favorite yeah. is that uh, that Ain't song from argue there. the song from Ghostbusters Two that Mark Striegel reminded me of when he was on No Shame. The, there's that Bobby Brown. Song. I didn't even remember that song existed, and I was like, oh yeah, 
what's that one called? The the on our on our own. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, all you guys are veterans of no shame, right? Yeah, everybody oh, yeah. on here was. Yes. Ian had the worst taste of everybody, I think. <laughs> hey, hey we're, 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 all, we're all podcasters. We have no fucking shame at all. <laughs> what was that? What was that? That pop song by that British guy that you picked, Ian? I think it was a British guy. It was fucking horrible. I don't remember what it was. <laughs> you I don't know, Miss Montel Jordan. Can't get enough. Oh yeah, hey Montel Jordan, that shit rules. <laughs> All right, so uh, I don't know. People have chimed in, but is there anything anyone else wants to say about the song Cherry Pie? Yeah, I have something uh, to kind of just throw out there. So, you know, you were talking about how this is the song that kind of vilified Janie and all that. How much differently do you think things would have gone if this wasn't the single and this wasn't on the album? I mean, obviously, hair metal, quote unquote, for lack of a better term, is, you know, uh, approaching a death knell at this point. Like, do you think that, you know, there was a chance for Janie to kind of go on and be like a respected songwriter in his lifetime? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> without, without this song, this would have been like the second fucking Trickster album. I mean, I mean this, this, this album is nothing without Cherry Pie. Not saying that it's my favorite, but I mean, obviously this is the one that pushed him over the top. It's so goddamn catchy. I mean, because I mean, look at the era they came out. It's all about looks, and this wasn't even a good-looking band. I mean, look at Janie Lane, great songwriter, and I firmly believe the uglier the artist, the better the music because they can't rely. <laughs> they can't and, rely and, on and coincidentally, the, the 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 uglier the the podcaster, the better the podcast. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well I, I, I didn't think I get so many donations. Uh, <laughs> it's for a fucking facelift. It ain't for fucking you know the expo. Uh, but I mean, seriously, I mean, look at Janie Lane. It looks like underdog. Fuck cousin Jerry from uh, you know fucking. Give me a break. Uh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> hey, hey man, I calls it like I sees it. Uh, but it I, big, it's a, wow. and look, don't get me started on Jerry Dixon's fucking eyebrows. What the fuck? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, and and the white leather just made it all stick out like ah, oh, tone it down a little bit. but uh but I mean this this is nothing without fucking cherry pie. I mean it is it's catchy and uh you know it's like him trying to do his uh uh, you know, pour some sugar on me, you know, and hey, he did yeah. better than fucking read my body, so I gotta give Janie Lane some credit there. Well, yeah. that's, <laughs> anything is better than read my body. Yeah. But that's I mean, what... I don't know, like, I, I I, think there's so much great stuff on this album that you can choose from. I don't think that you need a cherry pie on well, that. Well, yeah, but would people have known it without that? I mean, that was the one that made everybody go out and buy it, and I, I think, it, like, if if there was another single that didn't really catch... I don't think people would have ran out and got it. I mean, there's a lot of songs on here that I love. There were some songs I loved on the first album, but not enough to go out and buy it. So there right. could be some shit on the first album that I love, and I just don't know because I, I never went out and got it. You know, but this is the one, and because of this, I discovered all the other songs. You know, a lot of albums have that one song uh, that you go get and you play it till you're sick of it, and then you go in. You know, you delve more into the album. And, and discover what's really your favorite shit. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think this definitely could have sunk without that, because if it wasn't for that, maybe they wouldn't have got to release a single like Uncle Tom's Cabin that a lot of people who, you know, who don't even like weren't like that song. You know, It's because of the success of this. So I think without this, it, it could have just easily went away. Yeah. 
Yeah, this Cherry Pie went to number ten, and I Saw Red went to number ten. But the other two singles weren't, didn't, you know, we're not, we're barely in the top forty. I think the album still went double platinum. But yeah, I think <clears throat> definitely commercially, I don't know what would have happened without this song. But it, if Craig's talking about, you know, like genuinely being more respected, I mean, I don't, I don't think it would have mattered at all in the '90s how good the record was if it was Warrant. It was just going to be dismissed and you know left in the past. But he, I mean, he's yeah. definitely a lot more respected now. Like I said, he's not around to see it, but I think a lot more people have come around to admit that he was a lot more talented than he was given credit for, you know? Yeah, he's, I mean, it's, just, it's just hard not to look at the title track as kind of like the the spot where it all goes wrong, you know, even for as much of a hit as it was, it's also the punchline, you know? I, I think he sealed his fate as a songwriter in the early days of the band when the image was basically locked in with uh, party atmosphere, poison yeah. type situation. From then on, he was locked into that. So it wasn't going to matter uh, what he did unless he did like some sort of fucking Mike, Michael Bolton turnaround where he was hard rock on one record and then all of a sudden becomes this, this uh, different person. But that was wasn't going to happen he was locked into that image from the early days in the in the um sunset strip clubs i mean that was the image that they portrayed yeah. uh, and that's and that's too bad because you guys are you know you're you're all right i think we're in agreement that the melodies that this kid wrote were were fantastic oh yeah i'd like to throw in uh in i'll counteract some of your guys opinions on this i don't necessarily think that the album would have done much differently had Cherry Pie not been on the album, not been the, the name of the album. I think there's so many great pop metal tunes on here. To me, Uncle Tom's Cabin is, is my favorite Warrant song ever. But I think it got the biggest push at the beginning. And then, you know, the timing of that record and the timing of the, the grunge movement. I think uh, any one of these singles, you know, obviously the cheesiness of the, the video... Well, you, you think know. that because you're fucking Canadian. If I had free health care, I'd be optimistic, too. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. But also, also I, I mean... I still I, think it would have turned it as well. I, I do. I love Cherry Pie. I love the song. I love the album, but... Yeah, I was going to say, it's yeah. not a bad song, you know, in the end, exactly. too. Also, it's not a bad song, and it's... If you're going to take this song seriously, I mean, give me a break. It's just supposed to be a fun song, and... A fun rock and roll song and that's what it is i mean like ian said about there's no metal on this right i mean yeah most of this record just sounds like classic rock radio there's so much 70s sounding stuff mm -hmm. on this album and it's all so well done that yeah. uh you know and, and, and like, i i when i was early when this, 80s I, I i think these guys they're more like a night ranger you know night ranger wasn't really metal but it was just good you know hard rock and roll and that's what this is but everybody had to dress the part because yeah. it's the MTV era, yeah. you know, like Bon Jovi. Bon Jovi was never fucking metal, no. you know. You know, but they dressed the part because that's what you had to do, and you got pretty boys in the band, and, and you do all this. But when it comes down to it, you know, it, they owe a lot more to like you know Night Ranger than they do Judas Priest. You know, exactly. Yeah, they they toe the line between. Uh, hard rock uh, and then the other side of hard rock headed towards metal but they they toe the line between hard rock and almost a kind of a power rock power pop whatever you want to call yeah, it AOR I mean, yeah a-okay well, well this, this is like T-O-R <laughs> this is teenager oriented rock I guess yeah. yeah 
It's funny how we keep saying they, but really it's more he. Good shit, why does we say he? Yeah. Um, uh, speaking of, you know, like, look at the next song, which, um, well, should I start? I guess, should I start us off, or does somebody else want to start us off? Yes. I'm talking about Uncle Tom's yes. Cabin. Be a fucking leader. Take charge. <laughs> All right. <laughs> this is your idea. Live with it. So, Uncle Tom's Cabin, of course. Now, now Janie claims that he wanted to call the album this, and so I was thinking about, it's really odd to me to name this song Uncle Tom's Cabin, considering the subject matter of the novel called Uncle Tom's Cabin that is a classic and very famous, and now the, it, when I was thinking about that, the imagery, a lot of the imagery that this song evokes reminds me of both Huck Finn and Great Expectations, like there's scenes mm-hmm. in those books of like these nighttime encounters in the woods with these unsavory characters and i was thinking did janie read these books in school and just mix them up <laughs> and when he was writing what he called this uncle tom's cabin was he thinking of huck finn you know because it makes no i was saying i was thinking just call it uncle ned's cabin or something why Tom, uncle tom's cabin because of the book you know like i was saying it's like I read the diary of Anne Frank, baby. I mean, why would you call a song after a book that's, you know, this about, you know, the horrors of slavery? You know, it was a huge anti-slavery novel, like before the Civil War. I think it was a, you know, it's a, it's, it's like a really important book historically. And also, it's crazy how the term Uncle Tom has come to be used because the character Uncle Tom, I think, sacrifices his own life because he refuses to give up the location of some escaped slaves or something. And then how the term Uncle Tom came to be used makes no sense. You know, how, how what it means, you know, in like the slang version of it. But, um, but in, anyways, yeah, I, I think the, you're overthinking a fucking warrant song. <laughs> I'm definitely overthinking it, but it's just so weird that it's called Uncle Tom's cabin considering the book. I don't get that. It's unfortunately named. Yeah. Like I said, Uncle Ned's Cabin. Sounds great. Flows very well. Just call it, just use a different name. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know if Janie Lady even knew which book he was <laughs> naming it after, honestly. But beyond My that. Uncle Ned, I'm just thinking of Ned Flanders, and that's just not working for me. <laughs> well, either. I was just, well, Andy, just put it Uncle Mike's Cabin. I don't care. Just why <laughs> call it Uncle Tom's Cabin? So, so I don't care. My recollection of this song is, is that it was on dial in MTV often uh in the afternoons and by far uh at this point it became my favorite uh warrant song for sure and i think it was probably probably their heaviest song really at this point uh because i don't i don't know that they have any songs that were heavier than this one at the point it's a killer song it's i mean it's a killer song and it sounds so like we've been talking about the production i mean it sounds amazing it's the arrangement's amazing it's it's just a it's a great song, but um <laughs> just the 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 tie into the book is just weird for me. But yeah, it's awesome. Highlight of the record. Yeah. It but can you imagine if the record was called Uncle Tom's Cabin? I mean what the hell kind of album title is that too? <laughs> and, and what would the album cover have been? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh looky here. Uh, that would have been that would have been more controversial than uh the ballad of john yoko and harriet tubman uh you know we gotta gotta just thank god for jerry pie i guess yeah (laughs) well i saw i saw joey uh joey allen say some other album title quality that you can taste or something like that 
I saw that somewhere that that was a working title for the record Fucking before ridiculous. Cherry Pie. Well, who else wants to talk about Uncle Tom's Cabin? Uh, well, I mean, I'll just say it's, it's an incredible fucking song. Yeah. And uh, the band and guitar uh, has to be noted that that's Jenny Lane's brother, Eric. Right. Eric Oswald uh, doing that intro. And and just a beautiful, <laughs> beautiful little bluesy take there. And, you know, this is around a time you see uh, the blues really creeping in to, to the cock rock. You know, that was the new trendy thing. Like, oh, now... Now we are bluesmen. Uh, a a better know. example than Rise to It. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love yeah. Rise to It. Sorry. A lot of people talk about great blues players. They bring up Bruce Kulik. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. but, no, I mean, Cinderella was definitely going the bluesy oh, yeah. route. You know, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. you know it, 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 was, it was definitely a trend yeah. and maybe something to make, you know, men dressed like women seem a little bit more manly uh, is, is to play the blues. Uh, but, uh, but a great song is a great song. And this, this one is definitely a testament to how great Jenny Lane's songwriting was. And I think he had a really good voice too. I mean, like I said, he wasn't the best look dude. So he had to, he had to compensate for that shit. And he did it with great songwriting uh, and a great use of melody melody. I think that's definitely his strongest points. And, and I'm going back and listening to this album. I'm thinking, like, damn, he had a really good voice, you yeah, know. And, yeah. and just, just the little twists and turns you hear in the songs, the little the different melodies. It's like that's what really set him apart from a lot of cookie cutter shit that was coming out at this time. And don't get me wrong, there was some cookie cutter shit on this album, but uh, you know, we won't the- get to it in an hour. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have marked on the calendar, getting drunk today. I'm covered to like 10 o'clock. Uh, that's a time. Uh, but uh, no, man, it, it's a great song. You know, like my co-host, Ralph Vera, you know, he, that is like the metal guy. He hates the cock rock. Uh, but he loves this song because it's just, it transcends. It transcends whatever little box you want to put it into. Yeah, it's, it's got a, some it's, some it's something for everybody. It's got something for everybody. Yes. And you talked about the acoustic intro, and one of the things that I love that I don't recall hearing from any other hard rock band at this time is that they intertwined a little bit of banjo in the background with that acoustic intro that Bo Hill played, and I think that was awesome. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, definitely added to the song. Yeah, and besides the the name Tom, the lyrics are awesome, and like the story is really well told, and it, it you know it's a hard thing to pull off, I think. But it's really cool. The, the lyrics are great. It's kind of predictable. Like you can kind of see where it's going, but it's really cool the way it tells the story in the song. And that, that it, it, yeah, it's a very cool song. He's very successful with it. Yeah. And yeah, and it was like, I don't know if it was brave, but it was definitely a strange. I mean, it, it could have gone either way. It could have been a disaster, you know? So. Mm-hmm. And when the guitars kick in, it's like, that's yeah. the heaviest shit. They've yeah, done. It's awesome. absolutely. Yeah. Like, if that doesn't move you, man. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, the soft, loud, soft, loud. That's that's used re- very effectively a couple of times on this record. Um, yeah. Yeah, dynamics. So the next song, I Saw Red, um, to me, this is great songwriting. Uh, and, you know, t- for me... The- he hates I Still Love You, but he loves this. <laughs> for me, the ballads... What? You the hate ballads- I Still Love You? Yeah, what the hell? That's the first I heard about that. <laughs> Oh, great. Thanks, Craig. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, I, do, I hate I hate bluesy shit like that. I don't, yeah. Yeah, that sounds horrible. Bluesy? Oh, yeah, I forgot you hate Led Zeppelin, too. No, 
Well, I hate uh, since I've been since I've been you. loving you, which is which is great. It's horrible. It's a, one of the five Zeppelin songs I like. Wow. <laughs> well, I saw Red doesn't resemble those songs in any way because it has melody. Um. <laughs> Jesus Christ, BJ, keep it on track. Come on, I saw Red. Well, for uh, me, the the hey, balance. Don't forget this album's a revelation to him. <laughs> Ian doesn't like big words. <laughs> <laughs> like gymnasium. <laughs> well, I was going to say, for me, the ballads on the first album do not hold up. They are, they, I mean, I guess that's the best way to describe it is they don't hold up. But this song really holds up. It's much, it's way better written and way better recorded and performed than everything. And it, to me, it's like an Eric Carmen song or something from the 70s, but a great arrangement. Um, you know, Bo Hill, the, the work on this album sonically is really great. But one thing about this song that stands out for me is the burn a thousand candles line is really horrible. <laughs> like, it's so stupid. Is like, it, that's a terrible is it better, better or worse than John Bon Jovi's Get Up and French Kiss the Morning? No, that's, that's like the worst oh, lyric ever. Oh, <laughs> that's the worst. Yeah, that's the worst for sure. What song is that? Bed of Roses. But another oh, thing, going back the, to... The Bon Jovi Bed of Roses. <laughs> Going back to Janie Lane and, like, maybe he didn't know which book Uncle Tom's Cabin was. I mean, he clearly doesn't know what seeing red means because it means, like, a blind, murderous rage. <laughs> like, if you walk in and your girlfriend another guy and you see red, uh, that means you're attacking them and trying to kill them, I think. He just so, might not be telling you the full story. <laughs> right. still, yeah. It could mean he wanted to, though. Yeah. Well, that's not the that's but, not like the image that the song conveys. I don't think it. Yeah. You know? well, the, what the, color the is betrayal? Right. What, but what color? The original is title to this song was the Underground Railroad. So <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm glad he changed it because it, it's just not culturally sensitive uh, to the subject matter. Uh, good one, Ian. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no, no this, uh, this I was listening to this. I was, I was up late last night drinking at like three in the morning, listening to this song, crying. And uh, I figured out this is about uh, the love triangle between Lee Majors, Ryan O'Neill, and Farrah Fawcett. And uh, it, it, a very sad tale of catching your best friend, you know, banging your old lady. But oh man, th- this is just far too pussy for me. And I, I mean, when it, <laughs> When it, when it comes to cock rock, you know, I like my shit Caitlyn Jenner style. I don't care if you dress like a bitch, but have some balls, you know. Uh, yeah, this, this is this is far too. Uh, uh, Not a retirement know. for them. Yeah. Oh my god, this this, this is far too fucking uh, wussy for me, and 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 wham wham, and this is part of what what killed the fucking genre, in in my opinion. Yeah, uh, st- st- stop writing songs to 14 year old girls and remember it's 14 year old boys with pimples that are buying your fucking records because uh, 14 year old girls grow up and then they fall in love with some other dude and they leave you behind uh, ugh, god this, this, this to me is, is a sappy saccharine you know you know it, it is he should have he should have called it underground railroad because then it would at least had an edgy title you know <laughs> i don't know like, oh, i don't know i, I caught my best friend in your underground railroad uh uh those 14 year old girls are now 55 year olds and they're still supporting bon jovi that's true 
Uh, I'm not buying any Bon Jovi records. They're getting up uh, in French Kiss in the morning. Uh, <laughs> oh, and fuck you for remembering that. Jesus Christ. Oh, it's horrible. <laughs> That's uh, an image we'll never be able to get out of our minds. Thanks yeah, a lot, uh, right? it, it's, it's that video you see that you can't unsee. Uh, but it's BJ's life and uh, his podcast, so uh, we'll, I, we'll, let, we'll let him defend this fucking song. I, I don't even think I Saw Red is the best ballad on the record, though. There are two ballads on this record, and I Saw Red is... <laughs> oh, well, we have a winner here. It's it's good, you know, but it's not the best one on this record. Uh, and I'm not a ballad guy. I skip the ballads. I tend to yeah, skip the ballads, you know? Yeah. I respect your testosterone, sir. <laughs> I can't believe I'm in the the ballad wheelhouse with BJ. <laughs> I, I wish they would have. That, that's a better title record. than Uncle Tom's Cabin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the ballad wheelhouse with BJ. I feel uh, a sidecast coming on. Yeah, somebody gets sucked off. Oh. I think the sequencing in the album it's it's too early. They should have flip flopped this and better. Yeah, that. I yeah, for, I can see that for sure. Yeah. 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 Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Yeah, I think Joey Allen didn't play on this by choice. <laughs> well, there's a lot of bad ballads that came out of these bands, but I don't think this is one of them. I think this is really well done. I think it's um I think it's well the done. lyrics. Yeah. And the heavy uh, bridge. Uh, there's a heavy uh, bridge that's awesome too. Can you give us a little bit of it? How <laughs> <laughs> yeah. a, a bar too. How for does us, it go? yeah it's awesome i don't know i think it's a great song um anybody else want to say anything about i saw red yeah i was fucking pissed that i saw them twice and they didn't play it either time right they didn't i don't know they didn't play it why because you want a chance to go to the bathroom (laughs) right they're playing it nowadays well and then there was also a single that was an acoustic version and they had two videos they had the the normal video and they had the video for the acoustic version too in a graveyard? Um, yeah, it's Wonder. just Janie with an acoustic guitar wandering around. 
I much prefer, kind of prefer I prefer the album version because I think it's you know like I've been saying it's great production and it's really it's it's really well done. So uh, yeah. So the next song, "Bed of Roses," this was definitely one of my favorite songs when the album first came out. Um, it's just a great like pop song, kind of a basic verse, but the chorus is great. Nice hook on the chorus and another nice bridge. You know, that's a that's one great thing about Janie Lane's songwriting is he's always got nice bridges and everything in the songs too. You know, he he goes the extra mile with the songs and um, so yeah, that's about all I have to say about "Bed of Roses." It's got a great you know catchy chorus. Good melody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I gotta say, though, they fucking lose me here. This is like a Cock Rock Pearl Jam. You, you know, another song about the plight of women. Oh, this poor girl. I don't want to hear that shit. I want to hear some fucking cherry pie shit. Oh, my God. Uh, this, this, to me, isn't that good. And, and it always reminds me of a Budweiser commercial that was out at the time when he says, on a bed of roses. Uh, and I believe the next line is, not underneath some motel light. Beneath. Yeah. Or beneath some motel light. But to me, it sounds like fucking nothing beats a bud. Nothing beats it. Nothing beats it. Nothing beats it. The one and only. Nothing beats it. The clean, the crisp, the cold. The king of beers. Nothing beats a bud. Nothing beats the king of beers. Nothing beats a And I'd always hear that nothing beats a bud fucking in, in the background of my head like, uh, I don't know. BJ, yeah. was the point to get fans of this record to talk about it? <laughs> trying, to, trying to figure out what's going on here. No, no, no. Like I said, I'm just a whore. I just wanted to show up and get my name out of here. Rock and Metal Bad Podcast on iTunes and Podbean. Uh, Don't worry, and the testosterone's coming back for the next couple. Okay, okay. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, this one... Uh, that, that's where he, he kind of loses me when he gets in like, oh, the love of my life girls and stuff like that. Like, uh, uh, get back to the sluts. Get back to the cherry pie stuff. I can't wait to hear the edited version of this podcast. That's <laughs> I love this song. Yeah, I think it's uh, great. Yeah, it's a well-written pop team. I, I, I enjoy it. What are you guys drinking? Just curious. <laughs> Mountain Dew. <laughs> Coffee. Water. <laughs> Fucking bitches. W- Wally, what are you drinking? God damn, tell me you got a Molson or some shit. Come on now. Um, I got a whiskey and water, actually. All right, all right. Chase, <laughs> chasing it with an Elsinore. I like that. Nothing like better it. to do in a nice storm. Well, you know, yeah, I, said, you I said Better Rose is one of my favorites when it came out, but you know, it's, I, I wouldn't rank this in the top like half of the album at this point. You know, now it, it's a good song, but... I think I appreciate the quality of some of the other songs more, you know, than I did back then. But um, it's def- it's definitely one of like the more catchier songs on the record. But it's not as deep, and it's not macho enough for Ian. He's there you go. <laughs> he, he needs songs where he can assert his manhood. It, it's, ca- it's catchy like fucking Pink Eye. Uh. <laughs> All right, it, uh, is everybody done talking about Bed of Roses? I know Ian I is. So. You better be. <laughs> On to sure feels good to me. Yeah, so uh, I, I Googled it. Oh, and I... it's like I got my balls back. Yeah! 
and it and it took two guys in Kingdom Come to bring them back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is the only other song that has co-writers, and I I googled and I actually found a poster. So Warrant, they at least did some shows. I don't know how much they toured with Kingdom Come, but they did. I found like a flyer where it was a Warrant Kingdom Come show. So I guess that's probably where this song came out of. Is they toured together or they played some shows together? I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, to, to the guitar player and bassist from Kingdom Come co-wrote this uh, with Janie and. Like, if you compare this record to the first album, like, this is a song that's similar to So Damn Pretty, but it's just way better, I think. It's way better. Uh, and there's yeah. so much 70s about this song. Like, it totally sounds like... This song could be on a Nugent record from the 70s. Like, no problem. Uh, you mm, could just stick great. this on Cat Scratch Fever and it would fit right in. <laughs> really? Because this sounds like a Nugent song from the 80s. <laughs> this is better than a Nugent song from the 80s. Okay. It's, yeah, this there's is no better hint that the you, subject of this song is underage, though. It's better than if you can't lick them, lick them. <laughs> I love that album title. <laughs> Alright, who wants to talk about Sure Feels Good to Me? Alright, I'll get this shit out of the way. This is a fucking seaside. Oh my god. And I can't believe he didn't bring up uh, the lawsuit over this song. Uh, because the two members from Kingdom Come actually sued to get their names taken off this fucking piece of shit. <laughs> God damn. Yeah, you really are just yeah. a whore. I, <laughs> you oh said you God. liked this album. What the fuck? I, don't know. I mean, there's songs that I like. Maybe like was kind of a strong word. Uh, you know, it, <laughs> when I said I liked it, it was like Uncle Tom's Cabin. It doesn't really mean what I said. You know. I think uh, I said, who wants to come out and defend Cherry Pie? And you're doing the opposite. So. Oh, oh, defend? Oh. Oh, I missed that part. I I just did the clip notes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. To, to me, this, this is this, this is terrible. Uh, you know, if this makes the album, it makes me want to hear what didn't make the fucking album. Uh, the stuff that didn't make the album is fucking great. We could talk oh, about those songs too. True. <laughs> oh, oh God, I hope you're not talking about the bonus tracks because I heard that shit. Thin disguise, uh, fucking awesome. No, I didn't. No, no, not that. I didn't hear that. Game one. of War and the Power. The Power oh, is fucking oh, great. Yeah. I love the Power. Oh. I don't All like right. Okay. Right. It's it nice talking <laughs> to you guys. Uh, <laughs> no, th- th- this would be good for a Kick Tracy record, but uh, I like Kick Tracy. You know, not so good out here. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, and you don't like fucking uh, Winger. Okay. Uh, yeah, not, not not a great song in my opinion. This is totally filler. Anybody else? <laughs> I think it's just a standard rocker. I mean, there's nothing, there, there was nothing special to me. I, le- I like the, sh- the song. I enjoy it, but it's just a standard rocker. I mean, yeah. there's nothing special about it. Yeah. I enjoy it live. It was right. like. Uh, they played this live? <laughs> I think both times it was the second song, and I think it was probably their second song a lot of the time. I enjoyed it live more than I do on the record. <laughs> See, I, I would I would have picked this as an encore, like, hey, we got to get everybody out of here, you know? When I saw them, it was their final song before the encore. Yeah, no. that makes sense. Oh, oh fuck me then. <laughs> it's not one of the better songs on the record, but I like no. it. And especially in context, if you just listen to the album all the way through, it doesn't it doesn't bog things down, I don't think. Um, so, well, for most of us, <laughs> <laughs> I think for both sure, for, sure feels good to me and Love and Stereo. They just, you know, it's too, you know, kick the album back into gear. Just some average pop rock songs. I enjoy them. Nothing special. 
I, I thought they kicked the album back into gear too until Ian, you know, told me otherwise. <laughs> Does anybody remember what the first song on side two of the cassette is? Is it is it uh, Love and Syria or is it, it Sure be. Feels Good? I only ever it had the CD. Be. Yeah, me too. Just had I the had CD. the cassette, but um, yeah, it must be Love and Stereo, right? Hey, hey, BJ, where were the eight-track breaks? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they faded out Bed of Roses and faded it back in, I think. Nothing needs some hotel <laughs> 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 light. <laughs> yeah, Love and Stereo is another, to me, another 70s rock sounding song. Like, I hear a lot of classic totally. rock radio, like Boston, maybe a little Cheap I- Trick. That's one thing uh, I was noticing about this record is how much Janie sounds like Brad Delp a lot in a lot of these songs. Like, oh, no, he too really soon. does. <laughs> my, my notes on Love and Stereo is exactly that. It's uh, with the, kind of the old time rock and roller with piano. Kind of reminds me a little bit of the Seeker feel. What is it? That old time rock and roller, whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow, that's different than my notes that said. This could be more poison if it had a bandana covering a receding hairline. Uh, uh, oh my god! Uh, Janie Lane's better than this. I, I actually believe that Janie Lane is much. I, I think he is a good songwriter, a yeah, good it's singer. About, it's about a band great, of two chicks. Come on, a, a great sense of yeah. But oh my god! Oh my god! What two chicks? What two chicks? Do they even have pubes yet? I mean, who would fall for this shit? Hey, BJ, when you put this episode out, you can call it Love in Quintaphonic. <laughs> with, with five of the best-looking podcasters at the Rock and Pod Expo. Here. Oh, Lord. I think I'd hate to see the other guys. Love in Stereo oh. is not a standout song or anything, but I think in the context of the record, like there's to me, there's not a bad song on here. And Second so, week's track on this record. Second, or, yeah, it's, it's in the you know it's in the bottom half, but I think if you just listen to the whole album all the way through, then these songs are fine. It's like it's fun to listen to this record because it, it. I like it, what he said. Second worst track on the. What are you doing? Shots of reality. <laughs> I'm gonna raise my glass to you. <laughs> Let me see. Come on, probably... Jay, how much BJ? How much better would it be if they pulled this song off and had Thin Disguise on the record? Yes, yeah, Thin Disguise is a hundred times better I'm, than this. I no, agree with that. I don't like Thin Disguise. Oh, Thin really? Thin Disguise is no, great. I'm I love not a it. fan of that song. Thin Disguise oh, is the Cherry Pie B side. Bonus tracks. I don't have any of these bonus tracks. Well, what Thin was Disguise that? was the B side of, of Cherry Pie, and uh, it's. I think. I think it was on. It's on one of the CDs. It's on the best of. Yeah, the greatest hits. Yeah, I never yeah, got. Yeah. It's love, love and stereo. I'd rather jerk off in mono. <laughs> okay, so moving on to the next ballad, which Stephen already spoiler alert said that he he likes more than I saw red, and I I don't know. I think I like I saw red more, but I think this song is way better than heaven or sometimes she cries, even though it's very similar. Yeah. Um, I think it's a lot better song. The only thing I wish they'd have done with which song came first, this one or, or Every Rose Has Its Thorn? Every the Rose. Every, every, every Rose. rose. But, so I wish they would have not done the whole breath thing and the fucking uh, uh, whatever uh, warning noise at the beginning of this song. They would have just started with the acoustic guitar because yeah, that intro's dopey. Yeah. That. That stupid breath just reminds me too much of the stupid poison video, you know. Yeah, and it shows yeah. the, it shows the direction. 
it shows the direction things are going because this is almost exactly like Heaven, but it wasn't a hit because by that time, you know, I guess, uh, you know, the fickle members of the record buying public were just moving on from stuff like this. And so this was supposed, even though, you know, they released I Saw Red before this as a single, but obviously this is the heaven of the album, and um, but it wasn't a hit, so. Strap well, in, everybody. Get ready for an Ian Wadley meltdown. Yes. <laughs> hey, hey, this, this one has sentimental value, okay? Oh, my God. <laughs> this, this, this was mine and my future wife's song. Okay. Congratulations. We met, we met around this time, uh, uh, you know, this came out. We started dating in 90. And, uh, you know, she said, oh, you know, this is my song to you. I was like, oh, great, Blind Faith. I guess that's why you didn't see the divorce coming. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sentimental memories of this. I do think it's a good song. I do think it's a good ballad. Uh, probably, yeah, I would probably say it's the best ballad they did. Uh, you know, I can't help, you know, thinking back to being a fucking sophomore and dating my future ex-wife and baby mama and, uh, and hearing this song. But I do think it's a good, I think it's much better than I saw Red. I, I think it's much, much better than I saw Red. Um, is it their best ballad? I'm not sure. I think I would give that to, uh, Bitter Pill. I think, I think would be their best, uh, ballad. Yeah, I th- there, there are better ones that follow this record. Yeah, yeah, yes. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 I know none of them because I didn't hear shit after <laughs> Dog Eats Dog. Uh, but uh, but no, I I really do like this song. If you're gonna have a ballad, you know, I I, I miss the days when when albums had one ballad and it wasn't contrived. It wasn't like the, oh, we gotta have it. You know, uh, Motley Crue killed everybody with Home Sweet Home. Then everybody had the obligatory ballad. And then Until Kiss made- came out with Monster. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and those all became hits, and then they had to have multiple ballads. Uh, th- this, I think, is far superior uh, and, a, and a good song. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to shit on this one, believe it or not. What I like the, it. What the fuck are you? Hey, did Warman you get your balls back in the divorce? <laughs> yeah. You just like this song because your wife did. Come on. Yeah. yeah. So, hey. Hey. <laughs> At this time, I can't talk about my balls. It's still in litigation. I was trying to get them back. See, my story with this song is the opposite. If you can imagine how many women, I women, girls, I put this on a mixtape for that completely like shattered my heart and stepped on me. So the memories I have of this song are all heartbreaking ones. Bitches. You're welcome. <laughs> Wow, way to bring it down, man. <laughs> Jesus, somebody get Craig a tissue, would you? <laughs> Holy shit. I he's already handy. used a bunch of yeah. tissues. I, I know. I, here, I'm, here I'm trying to be helpful, and, and you're like, this song reminds me of the Holocaust. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. I, I didn't quite bring it down to Wadley levels when I said that. Oh, yeah, well, good, good for you. <laughs> it's a great song, though. Yeah. Transcends the uh, shit I had to go through in my high school years. This one Sorry. might have some production issues for me. Like, um, oh, it's uh, it's too too similar. <laughs> like, it's really like they were just trying to recreate heaven. It just sounds like maybe exactly like my mother. Same. She's never satisfied. Bj, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> no, I like the song. I like the song. But I definitely like. I saw red more personally. Um, I think I do. I, I I think I saw red is the better of the two. Yeah. It's got a little more going on with it. And it's got that killer bridge. 
Right, right. What what was that bridge, BJ? <laughs> Does Blind Faith have a bridge? I don't remember. I don't, I don't uh, think it does. Oh, Janie. Yeah. Janie got lazy on this one, I think, a little bit. <laughs> uh, so the, the next song. See, this is one. Before I started listening to this album again recently, I wouldn't even have remembered how this song went. Like, if I would have looked at the song I title, I wouldn't have. even have remembered this one. And I think it's fucking awesome. Um, Absolutely. It's so great. And, yeah, so this is what I mean by, like, rediscovering this record. Because I wouldn't even have been able to tell you what this song was. But... uh it, I hear, like like other songs, there's a lot of classic rock radio in this song, a lot of like Boston sounding to me. and um, But it's really ambitious and inspired song. Like like none of Janie Lade's peers were pulling off something like this that I can remember. You know, mm-hmm. this kind of dynamic and just really cool song. So This record is, is uh, start to finish really good, but there are two songs on this record that whenever I put together like a run mix for myself or something where I'm going to the gym or whatever, I pull two songs and put them in there because they're deep uh, album cuts and they're not, you know, they're not on rock radio. You don't hear them all the time. They didn't do videos for them. And this is one of them, Song and Dance Man. I love this tune. Well, it's it's not often I agree with you, Roxy Blue fans, but uh, <laughs> goddamn, this is a good fucking song. Could be my favorite song on the album. Definitely wow. an album track, uh, you know. It, but this again is a testament to the songwriting of Janie Lane. Well written, well sung. Right. Uh, and I think it transcends uh, genres. I don't think this is. You know, something you would necessarily, you know, out and write like a cock rock song. It's just a good rock and roll song and definitely the hidden gem on this album. I really, really like this one. No hate from me on Song and Dance. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit of a different song. It's not the cookie cutter, right. you know, hair metal <laughs> problem that we were getting by 1990 for, from a lot of bands, for sure. I love it. That, that end piano bit. Is very cool. It kind of dissolves into that dreamy kind of breakdown at the end. That's awesome, right? And, and I was thinking about how, like, the classic rock radio when I w- when this album came out, they would have played the shit out of this song if they knew it existed. Like this, to me, would have been huge on the radio, and a lot of people who weren't fans of Warrant would have been like, "Holy shit!" I think if if they would have heard this song. I, I agree, and that's, you know, unfortunately by this time in radio, you know, you're really getting into the, uh, you know, the programmed, you know, this is a single, this is what you're pushing, and this is exactly why on my radio show, that's right, Wadzilla World, only on CraniumRadio.com. Oh, Saturday, that's why you're on. 10 a.m. Central yeah, to 3 p.m. Uh, but, uh, no, I, I, I do a thing where you can request a band or artist, but not a particular song, because... I like to pick a song where, you know, you might know, like, the hit single from this band, and like, ah, I don't like that, so it kind of clouds your judgment to that whole band, where I'm going to try to pick something where, even if you don't like that band, uh, this song might, you know, make you, you know, give them another chance, and I love to play shit like this, and like, you know, somebody requested Warren on my show, this would be a song I would play. Because, oh, you might not like Heaven, you might not like Cherry Pie or some shit like that, but check out Song or Dance Man, you know? Uh, yeah, awesome. There you go. Check out my show, Saturdays. <laughs> okay, so the next song I would say is my least favorite song on the record, but I still like it. Really? I, I, 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you're the only hell your mama ever raised. <laughs> um, if you just listen to the record straight through, like I've been saying, then this song is fine. It's good. It's fun. It doesn't uh, bring the record down. You don't want. I don't want to skip it, but it's so. But if you're shuffling through the directory and this comes up first, oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it would be my least favorite, but I still like it. And it's very, again, it's very 70s rock sounding. Like if, if you compare this record to the other record, like this is so much better than a song like Riding High or whatever that, um, so that's definitely why the quality is really raised on this album from their first record for sure. Well, hit it, CC. I mean, this is a definitely, uh, you know, this is like a poison type song, but I think it's catchy as fuck. Man, I really like this song and I, I would take this over. Uh, Bed of Roses, Sure Feels Good or Love and Stereo. I, I think this is just a good classic rocker. Disconnect this guy. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I am officially drunk now, so that might have something to do with it, but I think this Oh, God bless you. <laughs> oh, he likes the album more as he gets drunker, I see. <laughs> <laughs> Can we start over from the beginning again? <laughs> oh, I saw Red is Beautiful. <laughs> it's a sad song. Nah, it's a good, this is an alright song. Really, you guys, you, nobody's feeling this but me, huh? It, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I, I don't dislike well, Wiley, it. Of course, you dig it, you fucking Canadian. <laughs> like, everything is beautiful if you're from Canada. Um, <laughs> you know, too. <laughs> I like Wally. I'm gonna get drunk with Wally. We're gonna do, we're gonna do shots of maple syrup and whiskey. <laughs> hey, I'll bring down Maple Crown Royal. Hey, that's, hey. That's the liquor store, man. I like this guy better than any of you. All right. I I like it. I think it's right in line with uh, something like um, uh, Love and Stereo. I mean, it's it's standard uh, rocker. There's nothing special about it. Yeah, it's it's bottom tier for me, but I don't I don't hate it. It just it's I don't know. Strange. The backing vocals are strange to me. Yeah, true. This might be one of the. You're the only hell. Yeah. It's just it, it. It. I don't know. Something about it doesn't sit right with me. Mom ever raised. I set it up for you, buddy. <laughs> to me, this is this is a song that starts with a title, and then you write the song. That's how. Yeah. That's what it feels like to me. Oh, no, that's absolutely yeah. how. Yeah, I can see that. And a little bit of uh, you know, a little bit of genism on that raised. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, so we go from my least favorite song to probably my favorite song on the record. Um, I mean, come on, Mr. Rainmaker. This is an amazing song. And uh, um, just uh, like I was saying, I swore that I remember Janie was playing guitar on this song, too. And like it was really killer live. Like they just fucking killed it live. But then when I went and watched videos, he wasn't playing at some of the other shows. So I don't really know where I got that memory from or if it's correct. But I mean, this is a this song is a testament to how talented he was. And, uh, you know, how much more inspired he was as a songwriter than some fucking hack like Adam Levine or these fucking guys now, you know, and, and people look down on somebody like Janie Lane. And, and then a song like this is, I mean, everything about it is so great. And um, but, yeah, it's buried here at, on the at the end of the second side. And uh, yeah, it's unfortunate placement for this. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I like it. It, it. It's a great song. Again, though, it's like him ass kissing chicks again you know it's like it's like oh you know he's really catering to the girls who are gonna like this and if you look at his like love life 
you know, he picked women like Trump picks people for his fucking, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, his cabinet. <laughs> you know, he, he picks like the worst fucking people, but oh, he sings their fucking praise. I'd love uh, to see the, the Lane significant other bingo card <laughs> that oh, made yeah. the rounds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'd like to see the ones that didn't make the cut. Jesus Christ. Uh, but it, it is a great song, though. I, I, re- I really do like this one. This is another one I would play for somebody who, you know, oh, you don't like, you know, the singles and stuff like that. Check out Mr. Rainmaker. Uh, lyrically, it's a little namby-pamby, but uh, it's it's got a great hook. You can sing along to it. It's a good rocker. I like it. Yeah, it's, for me, one of the best-crafted songs on the album. I, right up there with Uncle Tom's Cabin. I, I really really enjoy this one. Yeah, I love it as well. This is the second one of the two tunes that I pull off this record. Yeah, I deep figured that. Cuts. <laughs> yeah, I'd be yeah. good at the gym, actually. Now, I'm going to add that to my workout playlist. Yeah, pre-course is great. Oh, yeah. It's funny funny, and talks about the lyrics, but I actually think the lyrics are really good in Rainmaker, so. Yeah, so do I. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then. <laughs> great, great, great melody on this. Yeah. And, yeah. and if, you know, it, I, I would put this up there with Uncle Tom's Cabin, and... I think that the fact that it is buried on the ass end of this record is the reason that I didn't remember it as such a great song. And uh, it, it's definitely the one that I, I rediscovered the most by going back and listening to this. I probably haven't listened to this album in full in 15 years. Right, yeah. But yeah, great, great song. And it's pretty heavy, too. Yeah, I mean, it is heavy. And heavy. I swear, I mean, the reason it always stood out for me was because of seeing it live. I think that's when I really was like, holy shit, you know, because it's buried at the end. And I probably had barely even listened to it. But then when I when they because they did it, I looked at the set list of the show I saw. And it was like the third or fourth song they did in the yeah. set. And um, it was just killer. So. So then they they close out the album. Now I think this is a tribute to Aerosmith and Train Kept the Rollin'. How that that's Fuck the last you. song of Get Your Wings, right? I I mean I don't understand why that they, they did this <laughs> this Blackfoot cover at the end of the record. One thing I was thinking of is if the album was done before they had Cherry Pie, then this would have been the tenth song. It would have made it ten songs. But why not put fucking Thin Disguise on here for the tenth song? Uh, I don't really get why this song is on here it just seems pointless well, I, I did learn that half of our panel doesn't like thin disguise <laughs> yeah that's true well, I, I i don't even know thin disguise you wouldn't like why, it <laughs> why why in the fuck, why in the fuck would you bitch about train train which is an amazing fucking song by blackfoot yeah but well, why and, is it on and, cherry and pie I, <laughs> and i yeah because i needed another good fucking song <laughs> I, I i and i got it i got a you know, full disclosure here I did not know this song until I heard Cherry Pie. And I love this song. I love the original. And when I heard this, I was like, God damn, they did a faithful cover. This is a real good, honest to God, rock and roll fucking song. And I loved it. To me, this is one of the things that makes the fucking album, man. I could not imagine this shit without Train Train. I, I think they nailed it. I think it's a great song. I mean, I'd take this. Oh, really? That fucking sure feels good. Love and stereo, fucking goofy, <laughs> fucking bubblegum shit. <laughs> this is, you know, fucking. Oh god, train, train kicks ass. I oh, just don't. It, it's it, a B side. Wally, Wally, are you gonna back me up? <laughs> I am backing you up. I, I thought it was a All great right. closer for the album, and yeah. I often wondered if it was done in response to the the Bon Jovi New Jersey. What's the, the song that ended that? With the that ended it. it? Uh, maybe uh, not uh, it. All right, 
All right, you, you just lost me there. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. I just thought they were trying to cop that feel. I often wondered that. But I don't know, I dig it. I think it's a great album ending. Love for Sale. Yes. No, Molly, like, you're more positive right? than Charlie Sheen's blood test. <laughs> I love you. No, <laughs> homebound, homebound Train is what he's talking homebound about. Homebound Train. Oh, right, 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 right. Oh. Yeah, now, I, I like Train Train. I just don't... I. I think part of the charm of that song is the original, like, southern kind of feeling that that came with Blackfoot, but I do like the updated sound with the, yeah, you know. Yeah, Jenny Lane's from southern Ohio, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Come okay. on, he, hate, he hates black people, too. He called the song Tom's Cabin, for Christ's sake. <laughs> well, then the real end okay. of the album is uh, Ode to Tipper Gore, which is really hilarious. And I love that they included. I got a story about that. Yeah, well, the way it's edited together is really funny. They obviously had so much fun with it, and I love the way some of the clips come back like a second time in the in the whole thing. And uh, yeah, it's it's hilarious. And to call it, I want to hear you scream the hair off your nuts. Yeah. <laughs> oh. yeah, yeah, you love this. You love this. It's hilarious. Uh, it really is. You bitch about train, train, but you like this. Yeah. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. This shit's funny. But it's like, oh, here's her thing. That, hey, you know, we may look like the Osmonds all dressed in white leather and singing songs about girls, but we're bad boys, too, because we say the F word. Uh, <laughs> this shit's so fucking awkward. And bitching about Tipper Gore in 1990. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, true. It was a little late. It might as well have been like going to the mic. And what about Nixon and Watergate? Hello? Is this thing on? Hello? We're topical. We're <laughs> about the PMRC in Well, it is funny though. This is this is and what this gave is the them a P, uh, This is what yeah. gave them the parental advisory sticker. I, I, so that's pretty exactly. funny. Exactly. That's why I say this is like only to make them seem edgy. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, he said the F word and scream the hair off your nuts. Okay, I, mean, I, I, I will admit that I actually this album when it came out in Canada. That version did not exist. It was the clean version only. I, I literally drove to Buffalo, New York to buy this record to get Ode to Tipper Gore. Oh, Jesus Christ, super fan. What when a you, fucking waste of t- money that was. When you knew, oh, did you think it was knew, a song? I did. I had no idea. I yeah. thought there's an extra song. I'm going, man. Right. <laughs> when you move to Canada, do they make you buy a purse, too? <laughs> to wear up your shoulder? No, the Canadian version like, America sucks so bad, you gotta pay to go to the doctor. Shucky darns. <laughs> Boy, they, they did sell a censored version in America also. They did, yeah, yes. they did. Yes. Yeah. What did they do at the beginning of Train Train? Did they just like bleep it or cut it out? I don't know. I, well, I don't know, because I, I, my version's from Buffalo, New York. <laughs> oh, yes. Hmm. Curious. Yeah, I never right. heard that. I never heard that version of it. Yeah, I remember seeing it. Yeah, I know the, they had it. I know there was they had one. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, the the censored version has five songs. It's an EP, <laughs> and it's it's called Good Album. Uh, <laughs> true story. Well, so we've already uh, mentioned the the other songs. The Thin Disguise was the B side of the Cherry Pie Sing, which I had the cas single, and um, always loved that song. It's just a pop metal song. Um, so good. Very hooky and great. 
All I right. Good news. I usually don't agree with BJ on anything. Yeah. <laughs> you, you lose five points for saying single. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, the power was actually on the Gladiator soundtrack, not the Russell Crowe movie, but the boxing movie that Cheap Trick are right. also on. And it's a great soundtrack song. Uh, I think it's awesome. It's also on like the reissue of Cherry Pie. They put Game of War just totally sounds like a demo and it kind of seems unfinished, but it has a pretty good chorus and I think oh, it could have been turned into I, something good. When I saw the title, I was like, oh, <laughs> Game of War. Maybe this is like another machine gun. Maybe they, they got a heavy song coming here. I was all excited. And then I was like, yep. <laughs> oh, and, and then the power. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, God. They should have got the fucking limp wrist. I think that the power is awesome. Terrible. Does anybody oh, else yeah, like he, the power? I don't know. I haven't heard that. It sounds the, like a know. fucking Power Ranger. And the pink one at that. Oh, God. I think the, the power is great. Power. <laughs> the power. Let's kind of hit the Ode to Tipper Gore thing. Like, you know, I, I, I listen to it now and it's like, yeah, it's kind of, does this really need to be here? Like, it's edgy when you're 17. I don't know. Listening to it at my age, it was like, oh, this is, this is kind of dopey. It's funny. Yeah, I, don't I think know that it's it, funny. I mean, I don't have a problem funny, with it. It's funny, but it's funny. I think it would be funny on a single. I, I, on the album, it's just like, well, this is a great fucking album. And then it's just like, I don't know. It's kind of like a punchline at the end of it. Yeah. Oh, so you didn't scrub the hair off your nuts? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't done that since I was 17. Well, let me learn one thing from this episode. It's no matter where BJ goes to the South, he can't use any bathroom. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's sure just that terrible. Means. The fucking power. <laughs> 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 Does anybody else know the power? No. Yeah. No. Heard any of these yeah, no, yeah, no, I actually listened to it. I listened to that in Game of War. So I'm dumber than fucking most of you motherfuckers. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Hey, you didn't I, drive to Buffalo. He's <laughs> <laughs> got you there. Yeah, yeah. Nobody's that dumb, Wally. Sorry. <laughs> we were supposed to be doing this episode with people who liked the album, but... <laughs> 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 Everything's like an iTunes agreement. I just click OK. I, you know, I don't read all that shit. You know? <laughs> They're like, yeah, whatever. I'm there. I'm there. <laughs> well, I'm glad you were here just for the Underground Railroad joke alone. It was worth it. Oh, all right. All right. All right. Somebody appreciates my racist humor. <laughs> all right. So um, I guess to sum things up, I mean, we pretty much said all that needs to be said, right? Does anybody else have any... Anything they want to say about cherry pie or I mean we uh, all yeah. Oh, yeah. No. I, I... <laughs> I wanna hear all of you scream the hair off your nuts. Oh yeah. She's my cherry pie. Put a smile on your face. Ten miles wide. Look so good. Bring a tear to your eye. Sweet cherry pie. Yeah. Swing it to the drum, swing it to guitar, swing it to the bass in the back of my car. Don't even talk, cause you can't be now. She's my cherry pie. 
back. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.